May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. On Friday, August the 19th of this year, Rami Conley was in her car in her hometown of Pittsburgh. It had been a very difficult year for her. This year has been. She was diagnosed with lung cancer, been undergoing treatments for this awful disease. And on this day, on August the 19th, she was in her car, stalled in a, in a traffic jam, and it was pouring down rain. It was pouring down rain so hard and so fast that a flood, a flash flood, began to rise up in the street. To make matters worse, Mrs. Conley didn't know how to swim. And as the waters rose up above the doors in her car, she was trapped inside her automobile. In fact, in this area, Highland Park of Pittsburgh, on this day, on August the 19th of this year, this flash flood rose up so quick and so fast that water in the street rose up over nine feet in just a matter of seconds. Cars were upended and, and, and floating and topped over. And in that same traffic jam sat 21-year-old Christine Marty with her mother Marion. They'd been coming back from a, uh, an outing, and they were, they were caught in the same, the same event, and they saw what everybody else saw, that this water started to rise up and, and, and overtaken the cars, and so they abandoned their car and, and actually had to swim outside of the car uh, to try to head towards safety. They were separated, Christine and Marion. Uh, they started swimming towards the side, and, and Christine looked for her mother and realized that she was swimming ahead and she was, she was fine. Christine, being a rather strong swimmer, um, started heading towards her mom, but heard Miss Conley calling from her car. She was calling for help. So Christine swam over to her car and encouraged her to roll down the window, which filled her automobile with water. And she reached in and she grabbed hold of this woman and she pulled her out of her automobile and began swimming with her. One arm around Miss Conley, she was swimming. She actually used her, her purse. She emptied its contents, was using her purse as a flotation device to kind of help them to, to, to go towards what they saw as safety. Uh, about, um, about 50 yards from them, this small SUV with a, with a spare tire on the back had upended, and the, the spare tire was actually floating like a buoy. And, and so they were swimming for this, for this truck. Miss Conley looked at her, um, her rescuer, and she said to her, It's no use. I have cancer, I'm old, I'm tired, and I don't think I can make it. Just let me go. And she said to her, Christine said to her, No, I, I won't. We're going to make this. And she tried to encourage her. You know, it's, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. And she said, No, I, I just don't have the strength to go on. And Christine did all she could to encourage her. And when she couldn't encourage her anymore, she did the only thing she knew how to do. Her next words were these. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And she's swimming and praying. And she looked over and Miss Conley began to join her. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And so they prayed and swam. And she said they even began to sing songs. They were singing and praying and swimming. And she got her over to the truck. And there was another young woman up on the truck. And they lifted her up to safety. And that day, August the 19th, 2011, Christine Marty saved Rami Conley's life because she knew how to swim and because she knew how to pray. 
This year, Esquire magazine named Christine Marty one of America's best people. And I agree with them. Even if she does come from Pittsburgh. Which... I couldn't help but to think for a moment, though, how it must have felt for Miss Conley. Here she is, suffering with cancer. Bad enough that she has this awful, dreadful disease, but here she is caught in a flash flood and doesn't know how to swim. It almost seems like it's insult added to injury, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but for me, when things are going well, I mean, I'm, I'm just as happy as you can be. I mean, when life is all good, I'm a pretty easy person to please. It doesn't take a lot. You know, um, simple pleasures. Riding my motorcycle through the valley, you know, on a warm summer day with the, the, the air, you know, the warm air going through my hair, right? Just the part that sticks out below my helmet, of course. But you know the idea, riding through. Or, or maybe, um, you know, sitting in my front lawn and, and watching the fireworks on the 4th of July. Skiing down the side of a slope, you know, a snowy slope. You know, these are just these simple pleasures. That's all. But you know what? When life starts to turn sour, when difficulties come my way, I, I know you're not like this, but for me, I complain a little bit. Yeah, I know. It's a shock, right? I, I do, though. I I complain just a little. Um, I uh, I even have been known to whine a little bit. You know, really. The car needs new brakes, and the kids need new school clothes. Can't they wear what they wore last year, you know? My wife, no, they can't. Um, you know, the roof is leaking, and the garage door opener's broke, really? You know, have you ever been there? Um, or the roof is leaking, the garage door's locked, the, the sink is clogged, and everything is going apart at once? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I whine a little bit. I, you know, how about a little help down here, you know? Uh, I, I'm working for you already, you know. There are more. Uh, maybe, maybe for you, um, it's finals week in university, and you, you know you spend your last dime on a cup of coffee, and then your printer cartridge goes dry, and you don't have any money left, and and it's three a.m., and so the library is closed, and oh come on, can anything else go wrong? You, you know those. Remember those days, right? Or or your your taxes are due the same week the orthodontist says your child needs braces. You know those sorts of things, and they begin to pile up, and maybe uh, maybe you complain too. I, I mean, I'm probably not. Probably just me. But maybe there are times where it just seems like it's one thing after another, after another. And if anyone else says to you, you know, take lemons and make lemonade, you just want to say, you know what, I'll take your lemons, you know, you, you've been there, yeah? Imagine you're a 14-year-old girl and you're nine months pregnant. And you get news that you have to walk 65 miles to another city because the governor, or the emperor in this case, has issued a decree that you need to be registered to be taxed. I've had uh, the experience of three 14-year-olds living in my house over the years. And let me tell you, if I try to get them to walk six blocks to baseball practice, it's like pulling teeth, right? If I told them you have to walk to Sandusky, you know, uh, because the governor says you need to be taxed some more, well, it just wouldn't happen quite easily, would it? And here's Mary, young Mary, pregnant, forced out onto the road to travel all of these miles. Isn't life already tough enough for her? 
Isn't already enough hardship in her life that she has to get on this donkey and travel miles after mile to go be registered for taxation because a decree comes out from some emperor a thousand miles away? Isn't that just a little bit much? I mean, can you imagine Joseph? Maybe not. I could imagine Joseph saying, really? You know, this after all? Yes, I, I know. I know about um, about all the the the, um, the saint-like uh, characteristics of Joseph. I'm sure that he had them all, but I think he was pr- very real as well. Isn't this enough? You see, the fact that Mary travels with Joseph tells us something. She didn't have to go. In the ancient world, women did not actually have to appear to be registered. Her husband or her her espouse husband could have registered her on her behalf. The reason she probably travels with him is because there's no one for them. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe that um, that Joseph and Mary both had visitations by an angel. I believe that God can work such powerful miracles as that. But I also believe that most of the people in Joseph and Mary's world did not believe them. That Jesus grew up with a constant subtext mockery. That his birth was illegitimate. He grew up in a world where they didn't believe in Him. And so Joseph and Mary are all alone in the world. They're poor, very poor, and powerless. Nothing is going their way. And it seems like, it seems like the world is out of control. But that's Luke's point. The world is not out of control. The world is actually in control. God is actually orchestrating all the events that are going on. Yes, there are selfish politicians who are trying to squeeze more money out of people. They think they're gods and they can control the lives of everyone in the world. Not much has changed, has it, right? We still live in that. Um, There are people who are judgmental and, and condemning. Joseph and Mary had to face those people every day of their lives. Not much has changed there either. Yes, the rich still wield power and oppress the poor. Still happens the same way all over the world. But you know what? Luke is saying all over the world there is a God who is in control. There is a God who orchestrates the events of the world and brings them into play just the way he wants to. And so the greed of Caesar Augustus becomes the tool that God uses to move two obedient saints into the very place he wants them to be. In fact, the place he told us they would be 700 years before it happened. And the selfish condemnation and judgmentalism that rejected Mary and Joseph helped make sure that she was on the back of that donkey moving from Nazareth to Bethlehem at just the right time. The unwillingness of people who to share a room with Mary and Joseph shows us that the God who works spectacular miracles like turning water into wine and helping a virgin to conceive a child also puts this Lord of Lords and the King of Kings in the very place where He wanted Him. In a cattle stall. At the very lowest part of a human social ladder. The miracle that God can turn water into wine and, and, and impregnate a virgin is not nearly as spectacular in my mind as the fact that He orchestrates all the events of human history. That all of human history is in His control. Even The events that are evil, He makes work for His good. 
the late Presbyterian pastor and scholar James Montgomery Boyce wrote this, There is probably no point at which the Christian doctrine of God comes more into conflict with contemporary worldviews than in the matter of providence. Providence means that God has not abandoned the world, but rather works within that creation to manage all things according to his will. By contrast, the world at large, even if it on occasion acknowledges God as creator, is at least certain that he does not now intervene in human affairs. Many people think that miracles do not happen, that prayer isn't answered, and that most things fall out according to the functioning of impersonal and unchangeable laws. But not us. Not now. Not on this night, because it is on this night that we remember that unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.